everybody, this is Jenny Herlehai. This is the Grey Matters podcast and I'm back with my sister Christy. We're going to do part two. Uh, I just figured that our conversation was so awesome last time that we could not stop it and we had to continue. So here we are again and I hope that you enjoy listening to us. So what I wanted to talk about where we left off was kind of um, in your teen years after your friend had passed away and after you had taken that time off work and you realized you needed some time to just kind of get better. So what was that like for you? We, we said that it was kind of good that mom stepped in and talked to your boss and let him know what was going on. Um, so you took the time off, and then what happened? Um, so yeah, I took the time off, and I, I, had, a hard, I had a hard time... I, I didn't, I really withdrew from my friend group at that time. I did very little, little bit of hanging out with him. Um, and I went back on my medication. That's when I went back on Zoloft after going off of it. Um, and I, I just basically waited for that to relieve some of my symptoms. <clears throat> and then I was able to get myself back back together enough to be in society so to say were you working were you supposed to be working full-time um no so I was actually part-time I was in school still so I was in grade 11 okay yeah so you were supposed to work after school a couple times a week and then maybe like on the weekend oh well actually sorry my brain um so it was actually summer it was the summer right um after grade well so it, it happened at the very end of grade 11 right. so the summertime I guess I would have been full-time okay. yeah yeah that's right so you <clears throat> you were excuse me you were trying to pull longer hours during the summer between grade 11 and 12 yes yeah. so you were working full-time hours yeah or you were signed up for full-time hours yeah and then the tragedy happened in June and then you realized that can't that could not be re- your reality. Yeah. You had to withdraw from work. Yeah. And so mom stepped in and let our super- or your supervisor know. Mm-hmm. Then you were off the schedule for a while. Yeah. So, so can you explain to listeners how you spent the summer instead of working? Um, a little bit. I, I, uh, I don't have a ton of memory from that time. Yeah. Um, like, I can't... Everything kind of seems a little bit blurred together. I can't really distinguish, like, weeks from from whatever. I, I yeah. don't think it was super prolonged yeah. um, before I was able to get myself back to work. Like I said, I think I went on medication pretty quick after I realized that that was what was going on with me. Um, and so once that kind of took effect and I had a couple weeks for that to set in, I think I, I did a lot better. But during that time while I was waiting for that to happen, um, I was spending a lot of time at home... Um, I know one of my friends would try to take me out and we would go on some walks together and, but there was, there was very little energy that I had to do that. So mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't a lot of that. Um, one of our brothers was actually really awesome. <laughs> he kind of stepped up and showed He his... stepped up in a way that I, I guess I think I knew that he could do, but I hadn't needed of him before. Yeah. Um, and it was really special. I don't know that he knows that, <laughs> but it was. 
what what was it that happened that night that prompted him to help you i i actually i don't know i i i have never had this conversation with him i don't know if he has this memory that i have like i just i don't know but he just could see i was struggling and then he just took me and said hey like in his own way like I have this really awesome TV in my room it's large our brother likes to brag yeah about so some of his <laughs> he's like why don't you just get away from it all and hang out in here and um you can watch watch your shows on here as long as you need like and so it was he, just kind of a safe place he gave me so his bedroom that you know up until that point had been had been kind of like off bounds <laughs> for me for sure we weren't allowed in there it, it was, was a very it, private place for yeah. him all of a sudden he gave you access to it yeah. so that was a huge step yeah. in feeling understood almost yeah maybe? and and specifically with us because we had never had like like you and your you and Kevin yeah it's not that we had a, like a bad relationship i would never yeah. say that we just I think it was the genders and the age difference, the five-year age difference for, like, like females and males. Yeah. We, like, what do we connect on, you right. know? We, we don't. And so that was, that was specifically a really wonderful thing that he did for me at that point. And it was super helpful. And that stands out to you. It as, does. As a part of your past that was very supportive. Yeah, somebody reaching out. Even in as little of a way as they could. Yeah, whether he knew he... He wasn't even talking to me about anything. Yeah. You know? He but it was kind of nice be. that I could just sit there. So he wasn't, like, addressing the issue specifically. He wasn't sitting you down and saying, Christy, yeah. tell me your heart and soul. And it wouldn't have meant He just offered you a place of respite, like... Right. And it probably wouldn't have meant as much if Brandon, our other brother, had asked me to do that because of our relationship. Yeah. Brandon and I are very close anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so it, it was, it was that gesture from that person. So yeah, it was definitely dependent on the person. Yeah. How much of an impact it had on you in, in that time. Yeah. Yeah. Because he seemed to be up until that point, someone that you probably wouldn't have turned to at first. Yeah. And somebody that I um, thought that wasn't noticing. He might've been one of the last people you would turn to. Um, only if you were desperate. Uh, yeah. But in the end, it turned out to be okay. You yeah. Know, when he noticed that you were struggling and stuff, he was able to to be w there when you needed it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So what kind of things do you think that he was noticing? Like, I'm not saying that he's a daft person. <laughs> but I'm saying like... For, for a brother to be in his teens at that time, to be kind of totally transfixed on his video games or whatever he yeah. was obsessed about about that time, how would he have even noticed that you were struggling? Um, I think it might have been, and again, this is just a speculation, um, that I wasn't able to eat food. Like I... Because... I would try to eat toast. I'd be sitting at the table trying to eat toast. And I think I, like I can recall him being around because he lived in that home. So, and seeing me struggling so hard, sitting at the table for like almost an hour to try to eat one piece of toast um, and crying about it. Sitting there just silently crying and trying to eat. 
is I think I he saw me doing that. Did he say anything to you at the table? No. No, eh? So he was probably just like... He didn't even say anything. He never addressed it. It was like... It was kind of like this like beautiful thing where like he was... I knew, He didn't address it, but I knew what he was trying to say to me when he told me I could come in and hang out in his room. So he was like... <clears throat> kind of like offering you a, a safe haven. Yeah. To come into without having to explain what you felt was inexplicable. Yeah. Huh. Well. What a great brother you have. <laughs> and you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's good to have people like that around, but not everyone does. So it's pretty think, sweet. It's pretty I, good. Oh. I think that some people might not know what they can offer. Yeah. So they don't. But I think that this is kind of a lesson in that. Like... You might not have any answers. You might not even be great at listening. <laughs> but you might have something you can offer someone like like that. So my last blog talked about when someone else is sad and asked questions like, what would you do if, um, if you were talking to someone? Like, say you went to work and you said, how's it going? And someone said, like, not very good. Yep. Or they said, fine. But you kind of got a sense that it wasn't all fine. Yeah. Like, would you leave it at that? My answer was, I probably would. And I regrettably answered like that. And the reason why was because, you know, you don't want to jump to conclusions right away. And I feel like sometimes, you know, you don't want to put people on a defense, right? So you don't really like... Or make them uncomfortable. You you only said, okay, why isn't it great? What's going on? Um... And the other side of things is that, you know, once in a while, like I'll be driving to work and something will trigger me and I'll feel like, oh, I can't even like, I can't even get myself together. How am I going to, how am I going to work today? How am I going to face people? And, um, do I lie to them all day or do I be, do I be my like authentic in quotations self and be the complainer in quotations? Yeah. Like, what do you do, right? Yeah. How much do you want to divulge? So I just think that it's really important for people to know that it's it's not always a crutch. Like, it's always okay, it's, it's okay to say that you're not okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's, it's a hard, like, you don't have to be, you're not going to be a whiner. No. You shouldn't be classified as a whiner. If if you're one of those people that say your your day is shit every single day, that should be a sign. A huge indication. You might need There's a problem. some help, you know, yeah. and that's okay too, right? But, but like, just to be dishonest about it is, is shitty because it's not doing anyone any good. No. The person that's asking should really genuinely want to know. If you don't want to know, don't ask. Yeah. Um, because hopefully people will be more honest in the future and say, like, I'm having a bad day. I can't focus. I, I'm having a bad day. I woke up at 3 a.m. and I've been worried since then. Or whatever. And hopefully people ha- have the tools to be like, fuck, that sucks. And not every day has to be a, a whole entire day of counseling at work. No. Or wherever you are. But but just having that ability and that um, platform to be, to be able to be honest. Yeah. And I feel like at my job, um, like the actual branch that I work in, I feel that so much there that like I go in and I'm just like, 
I'm feeling like a shitty person and I don't want to talk to anyone. And I feel more now able to be like, I don't want to be a shitty person to you right now, but I'm feeling like a shitty person. So let's have this conversation in a little bit. And they're like, all right, <laughs> but, but that's hard to do. And it's, and, and like, like I'm feeling more comfortable doing that, but what does that feel like for the person hearing me say that? Until everyone's kind of on their own or on the, all on the same level. Yeah. Or like on the same page when it comes to talking about this stuff, like once again, let's, let's go put that in perspective. So if you were to go to work and find out that someone was diagnosed with cancer, yeah. How would that be? How would that go? How would that go over in a staff meeting? Like someone announces like, so I just got diagnosed with X cancer. Yeah. Think about objectively, like what would you say, think or do? And what would your branch say, think or do? And what would the department and the entire building do for that person? Maybe even as a community, like, because we're such a small place we might even arrange like a walk or a run for that person. Yeah, but it's that, so individual too, right? It depends on it's what individual. that person wants to have. But it's a lot easier to try to advocate for that person and try to bring in sponsors when it's and, a physical and, thing. And people, and and I and I'm not trying to beat up on any disease. Like no. I just say cancer because it's one of those ones that are super popular right now, and everybody. Ha know somebody with cancer yeah um it could be anything like let yeah. me let me just say that let me put it out there i don't mean to bully cancer um but i just feel like as well lots of the time it's it's an invisible disease too like some people might not groom themselves as well when they're feeling down yeah uh but there are mental illnesses where it's it's like I know myself from my own struggles and we'll get into that later, but there's been, there's been times where I haven't even showered for at least a week. Like yeah. there's times like yeah. th like that, um, that you can, you can tell somebody is really struggling. Um, but what do you do? Yeah. What do you say? You don't want to offend anyone. You don't want to step on anyone's toes. You don't want to, yeah. but like I, I kind of touched on my blog on this. Um, not that we should feel responsible or whatever, but there's always been times where someone has reached out to me or I felt like in hindsight, someone has reached out to me. Um, it's usually after they've taken their life Yeah. that I have realized, oh shit, that person needed, 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 yeah. needed help. Yeah. And whether I could have prevented what the outcome was or not, I always end up feeling like I could have done something else. I yeah. could have done something more. And so, yeah, like we should always take this seriously, but it's one of those things. It's, it's hard to gauge. It's, it's a, one of those personal diseases. It's hard to gauge. So I just, I just don't know. Like when so many things come to mind when you're talking about this, because like, I, I know for me, like I, I'm, I would like, I would like to be able to say that every time I ask someone when I notice something's going on, but I don't. And and I think that if we're all being honest with ourselves, most of us would say that we, we don't always do that. And because, I mean, sometimes you don't know the person super well, um, but other times it's, it's, 
I, th- I think for me at least, I'm, I'm tr- I think I'm thinking about them. Like I think that the reason why I'm not asking them things is because I'm thinking about them and what the- and I don't want to make them uncomfortable. I don't want to make them cry at work or, or all these things. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like this thing, like what's better? Is it better to ask them and, and have them maybe be emotional at work or, or is it not? And I remember when mom was sick and I she, well just to just to say she wasn't mentally ill she sorry she was diagnosed with cancer yes in 2009 so when she was going through through chemo yeah um and or she had, no she wasn't going through chemo she had just had her surgery in november of 20 2009. Yes. Yeah. so it was before yeah. she started chemotherapy right. and i was back at an old workplace yeah i had moved back from i had moved moved back to town for this and i had a coworker say, Hey, I heard about your mom. How are you doing? Um, in the lunchroom. And I started to cry and I wasn't upset with her for asking me and making me cry. Yeah. I was more happy that she thought to ask me that question. Did you feel like apologizing for crying? I did. Yeah. And so like, I only bring that up because that I feel like that's a very common thing for us. Because you don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Because you don't want to make them feel bad that they asked you a question. Well, yeah. I think... And I, and think I just like, want to, I want listeners to yeah. know that crying is not the result of something that you did that was wrong. Crying could be a result of relief. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, go I on. I think that most of us have good intentions. Yeah. Most of us do. Yeah. And that's... That's actually where hesitation to ask if they're okay comes from, which is interesting. Overthinking. Because we overthink it. And um, like, an- like another example I'll just give you because it just happened was, was at the end of September this year, I was at a restaurant in town and I went to the bathroom and there was a worker at that restaurant who was crying in the bathroom. And it was awkward. I didn't know if I should ask her what's going on, if she's okay, if she needed something. Yeah. I, I, she is a stranger to me. Right. And... There was another lady in there who was asking these questions and, and, and the lady was seemed uncomfortable, but I don't know that she was fully uncomfortable. Maybe she was kind of also thankful that somebody was asking if she was okay. So it's, it's, it's hard. Like it's a weird territory to navigate. I get people into my workplace that come in and they start crying. They start crying and you're like, again, another, it's a stranger. So you want to, like, I don't know, like, like how much do I ask? And, yeah. and as human beings, like, how do we become more comfortable with crying and people that we don't know crying with us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or become more comfortable with crying in front of people. Yeah, without apologizing. Yeah. Because, like, I wish that I could cry and then not wonder if my boss feels super awkward about it. And also my boss is super awesome, but he would still probably feel awkward. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever cried and said, is this making you feel awkward? Yep. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely have done that. Makes me feel less awkward about it. <laughs> and I think that's because you're just putting it out there. Yeah. That's the whole point of this whole podcast yeah. too. If like, you can just like name, name the weirdness, like put a name to what's happening. It can, it can sometimes make that a little bit better. I know. I think my philosophy too, like in my own job, um, is to try try your best, and if you need to, apologize. Yeah, 
That's all you can do in the end is apologize. So it's, it's the best of intentions and it can save a life. And, it, and it's also hard though too because sometimes you might think, oh, I should ask this person if they're okay. And then you have stuff going on yourself. So you're like trying to balance. Can I take on whatever they're going to give me right now? I don't know. <laughs> or, or do I know how to take it on? And does and, that make me a bad person? And then not keep it. Yeah. Like, how do I do that? And is that a separate skill that I need to learn somewhere else? Well, and you learn like healthy boundaries are a really good thing to set. So I'm like, sometimes I struggle with that. I, especially with my friendships. I'm like, okay, I have to set boundaries for myself. Um, but I have people in my life that are struggling. So you probably have a, an element of guilt. Yeah. I, I have a hard time. That's probably one, one of the hardest things I deal with mm -hmm. is that, that specific thing. Because I, I want to help and, and I don't want, and I, and I tell people that like, you know, I'm having a hard time myself right now. But, but I always say, but please don't stop telling me things that are going on. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't want something to happen and then feel like... I should have listened that time. Yeah. I get it. But like, what's too much, right? Yeah. And like, what's too much for you? Like, and, and what can you allow and yourself to, how do you set up healthy boundaries without not insulting is the wrong word, but like without like shutting somebody yeah. out that, that obviously needs somebody in that moment. Yeah. And what are the alternatives? Like what other, ways of support can we like offer those people when we cl clearly cannot yeah be that person but they need someone yeah so that you don't have to feel guilty either i know so what would you what would you say to someone right now that i don't know what would you say to someone that is not feeling like any other friends have time for them. What so, would you do as, as someone that, you know, has been busy and has had friends that are needy. What would you say to friends that feel like they can't reach out? Like they're, they're going to sit in their room and stew about this and not reach out to friends because they think their friends are too busy. Well, <laughs> for, I, I would say, I, I always say I'm never too busy. I, I just always do, even if it's exactly the opposite of how I'm feeling with what's going on in my life. Um, I'll always say that. Always. That's just me. Yeah. Because I can't bear what I would feel like if something happened. Yeah. So that's a good message. I mean, everyone has their shit they're dealing with. We have a lot of stuff. We have like jobs, family, our own mental stuff, our own health stuff otherwise that might be going on. Um, we might have other stuff like, like big time stuff, but everybody has their, their like lineup of friends that they love. And I think that they need, like our friends need to know how much we care for them. Yeah, and I think that sometimes my capacity for being able to help changes. So I might be giving a different kind of help depending on the time. But I, um, I've had to learn myself to take 
take things, I'm going to say less personally, but like take on less of people's stuff as my own and then just try to listen mm -hmm. instead of trying to fix. Mm -hmm. and, and, not, and, I, and I'm not actually trying to fix, like I'm not giving them advice, but I, in my head I feel like I'm trying to fix or mm -hmm. like I have to take on a brunt of this, this stuff. So <laughs> yeah. I was actually just saying to one of my friends the other day that sometimes I, if this makes sense, sometimes I feel like I have to care less. Oh, empty. Oh, the wine's empty. Sometimes I feel like I have to care less about the situation in order to care more for the person. Um, and the only way I can explain that is that it's like, instead of like kind of judging what they're, how they're taking care of this situation or, or trying to give them like tools or, or all these things, I just, I just have to like listen to it without judgment and, and not take it on so that I have more energy to, to engage with them because I, I do tend to withdraw yeah. from, from people with that, that constantly need me. And, and, and I hate that, but yeah. I, but I do, I just, I just do. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those natural things that you're trying to do to preserve yourself is withdraw and you don't really mean to because you're a helper. Yeah. And especially By if nature. you feel like you're like, well, you're never taking my advice or, or something like that. So it's like, okay, I have to not care that you're not taking my advice. So that's yeah. what I mean about the not caring as much. Yeah. And to care more. That's like the only way I can kind of put it. Yeah. And I mean, it, like advice is great, but lots of times that's not what is looked for. Like yeah. the thing that's sought after is, is just acceptance more than everything. Yeah. And, and it's just, but yeah, it can get frustrating when you have, a friend or someone that is constantly coming to you with the same thing year after year. Um, how do you separate yourself from that? Yeah. But be, but still listen to it, but be supportive as, <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Um, if you're someone that tends to get dragged down into like emotional things, right? If you're a highly sensitive person, yeah. Um, if you want to know more about highly sensitive people, you can Google that. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wish I would have known more about it before my 30s, but whatever. Anyway, if you're interested, go Google it. It's good. <laughs> There's lots of books about it. Um, but highly sensitive people tend to take on other people's feelings more and want to fix the world more so there's a big burden on them yeah so. and it gets and it just gets to a point where you can't take anymore yeah yeah and and that's why i thought like this podcast would probably be a better fit for myself as well because i felt like in doing this type of um recording like it would probably reach more people than if i were just a if I were a psychologist, like, which is amazing because we've all used them. We all need them. They're great yeah. or whatever. But I just felt like I could reach more people doing this, um, and in a shorter time than that, because I, I don't think I could do the work of a psychologist and then take it home. They're, they're amazing. And I, I think yeah. I would just take it home. So, so yeah, it's a skill. Yeah. It's definitely a skill. I don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's definitely something to be said for. People that can just listen, um, you don't always have to have the, the answer to, for someone that's dealing with a mental illness. Yeah. So um, what would you say would be the thing that you turn to the most when you're dealing with something like this that's hard to deal with in life nowadays? Like, I don't think like that... Like my coping I mechanism? Mean, yeah, like, I don't think that you've had, uh, like, an episode 
for a while. Not a, not a big one, like not one that I couldn't ride through. Yeah. Um, I'm a withdrawaler. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about that and what it means? Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I like to think I'm a good listener. So I kind of always been that friend and, and I don't begrudge it. I love it. I will be that person forever. And I do, and, and I also have great li- friends that also listen, but yeah. for some reason, and it's not that I'm embarrassed or whatever. I just, I, I, I think sometimes when I'm going through things, I'm already going through them. And when I feel like I have to talk about them, I feel like that's like so exhausting. You're reliving them. Yeah. Like I just don't want to. And I, I mean, even on a good day, like I'm an introvert and I would prefer to hang out with myself or my partner and I need alone time to recharge. And so I feel like when I'm going through something, I need even more recharge time. And I actually do the best at working through things when I'm, when I'm introspective. Um, I actually think I, I, I think that that's my skill for me is I can really get inside of myself mm-hmm. and I can pull things from other times, other experiences that I've had and I can work through what's going on, but I can't do that with other people. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I, that's, that's just the way I cope. So you find that like hanging out by yourself and just reflecting in your own mind yeah. does a better job than if you were to go see someone like Shannon again. Well, I, uh, I thought about this before we uh, started doing a podcast recording because I was, I was wondering if it would ever come up the, the topic about counselors and whether or not I think that that's a good thing. And I do think it's a good thing. And I don't know why. Like, I, I advocate for it. I'm like, get some help. There's nothing wrong in that. And like, I super am all for it, but I don't do it. And, and that's not to say that I won't one day, but I, I don't know. I, and I can't give you an answer to why I don't. I, except the only thing that comes to mind is that I hate appointments and I hate having to go to places because it actually gives me anxiety. <laughs> so going somewhere to talk about it or even making that appointment, I'm just like, ah, I just, I feel like I'm maybe one of those people that has to like get to a point where I feel like that's my only option to do it. And I don't, it's, it's weird, like conflicting thing because I super support it. What kind of things about that make you anxious? Like the making of the appointment or the taking time off or juggling your schedule to get there or actually like going to the building or actually announcing you're there so all of the above things yeah and i've noticed in the last few years that those things are more um hard for me than they were before and i and i can't answer why i do not know but i I have a harder time with that kind of stuff than i ever have before i had to call to ask how much i had left to owe on my car the other day and i had to write down a script of what i was going to say and I was like having heart palpitations before I called. And that just seems so ridiculous because I was just calling the insurance company. And, and, and I know that that's, that's a really actually super common thing for people that I talk on the phone. But that was never a problem for me before. And it was never a problem for me to go to the dentist. But now I have mad anxiety during my dentist appointments where they have to stop their procedure and give me time to breathe. And that's new. And I don't... and. And like new in the last like three years, 
Okay. And so I, I don't want to go to an appointment and cry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that's part of it too. I just don't want to do that right now. You know, if you go to the dentist and you don't cry, um, oftentimes you'll get a prize. <laughs> so don't, I haven't ever cried at the dentist, but I, uh, and don't because you won't get a prize, but you know what, that, but, but that being said, that's all connected to my childhood trauma, like my childhood stuff. Yeah. Because I had one experience at the dentist where it made me feel really dizzy and ill. And that just happened a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And because I had that experience and that's a trigger for me. It comes back. I can't go anymore without having a really hard time. <laughs> like, and the thing is, is I know that that's what's happening. Like, yeah. I know. So you're pretty aware. And I think that that's part of why I'm not going to the counselor too. Is because they're... I, and this might be just wrong. I'm sorry. I just, I feel like they're going to tell me that that's what's going on. And I know that already, but that's big headed. Cause I know that they'll probably tell me things I don't know, but I just, I just haven't made an appointment. <laughs> I don't know. So this is like a very realistic <laughs> struggle, like a, a realistic <laughs> snapshot of someone that's struggling about whether or not to go to counseling. I, I feel like this is very, yeah, very typical. Because I'm like, why wouldn't you see a counselor if you're... I just spent a whole year convincing a friend of mine to finally seek out help. And then she did. And I'm so excited for her. And then I'm like, but I got this. I don't know what makes me... I think this is part of my character, though, also a little bit, too, where I feel like I'm like, I've been going through this for X amount of years. I have skills. When I'm, when I'm feeling anxious, I can talk myself down. Instead of thinking, maybe I can get to the point where I don't feel anxious about that anymore with help. But, oh, no, you might have just got diagnosed with, you know, cancer. Yeah. And you might, and you might need chemotherapy. So maybe right now it's time to ask for some help. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things, I right? Know. And, and I get it. I get why you would think that stuff. Like, that's, like, second nature to think, okay, yeah. I got this. I've been dealing with this for 22 yeah, years. Yeah, and, like, and I slide through it. I make it yeah, work. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Then... I've got it. I'm, I'm a veteran. I know how to do this. And then... It is a really real thing for me, though, that I hate going out for appointments. And that's not an anxiety thing. That's more just like, even when I'm asked to go do a work errand, like, I don't want to leave my desk. So that's, that is part of it, too, is a little bit of just me. But then there is... Well, that's probably stemmed from being the... (laughs) Lazy? Oh. No. (laughs) No, not lazy. Lazy is not synonymous with introvertness. I thought you were going to say lazy. No. No, not lazy. It's not synonymous at all introvertness introvertedness introvert introvertedness it's not the same <laughs> you could be lazy I don't, i'm not saying that you're not lazy i'm just saying that it's not because you're an introvert yeah yeah <laughs> anyway but yeah i get the same way like and my work too i'm I have errands, like on days that I have a lot of errands, I'm like, oh, I wish that, and there's like a girl that used to work there that used to do errands, and I'm yeah. like, I wish she could I pass back. mine off to people, they do I, it for I, me. I don't like having breaks for my desk. A lot of people do. Yeah, and that's the thing, I, I work don't. with all these people who go out, that's their job, right? Like They're like, oh my God, I can never sit at a desk all day, and I'm like, let me sit at my desk all day. I don't like going out and doing errands. I'm like, but also leave me alone. <laughs> I don't want to talk I'm, to you I'm either. exhausted when I got to talk to more than 10 people in a day. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, and don't come that, talk to me and, and leave me alone. the life of an introvert and that's all there is Can I please put my, call, my phone on call for? Thanks. So, yeah. I don't know. But 
No, there's a lot. So, so okay. So there's... And I forget where we were in my lifetime line. Well, let's... I'll just lead you to a place I want to go. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff that comes with anxiety. What would you say is the main physical... <laughs> My shitting problem? Yeah. <laughs> we've oh, reached, I see. We've I'm reached the, the point of my shitting problem. I'm the eloquent sister. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is the main thing that you're dealing with these days? So I poop a lot. Okay. Christy poops a lot. I poop a lot. And, you know, that has, that, I, I was actually thinking the other day, I'm like, how long has this been a huge problem? <laughs> it's been longer than I've wanted to hear about it. And, and I know, and I talk about it a lot. I don't know what I even, makes... I even got her a mug for Christmas. She did. I don't know what makes talking about poop so easy for me, but it is. And I just, I will do it for all of time. But um, it's a really real thing. Like, yeah. like irritable bowel, bowel syndrome, IBS. It's, I've read a lot about it and it's kind of an interesting thing because they don't know if anxiety comes first yeah, or what, but it's so yeah. tied with anxiety. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like you talk to hundred people with anxiety and I'm telling you like the majority of people are going to tell you they shit themselves a lot. They might have symptoms of IBS. Yeah. And so that's, so, so for me now, like that's a very real thing for me. Um, <laughs> so even, is it, is it like predictable? Is it, it unpredictable can, or is that why it's annoying that it's unpredictable? Um, or? No, it's pretty predictable. Okay. Um, so, for example, um, we were starting our first part podcast today together, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and my body told me I needed to go to the bathroom. At 80 billion times. Like, I was like, should I go try to do this? And, you know, I ignored it, because I knew, because that's the other, other thing with it, is sometimes I can ignore it, and it will actually go away. <laughs> Just go away. But it's, it's... Um, so it's all in your mind. It, it can be worse some days than others. Um, I went through a period of time, I think about almost a year ago, where it was so bad at work and there was just so much going on. And I was, and, and that being at work is just not a place that you want to have to be constantly going to the bathroom. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you guys have... <laughs> we have private stall, no, like private bathroom. Do you guys have the spray that's called poopery? No, but I have it in my bathroom here. Oh, okay. Did you see it? No, I didn't oh. see it, but I have it at work. At so. my home. Um, so a friend of mine, Poopery. a friend of mine that knows I have poop problems, gave it to me as a housewarming present, which is very great. That was really nice. So and she probably no, would have given it to you at work if she worked with you. We but have anyway. Febreze spray, but we have we have, we have some scent-free bathrooms, oh, um, no. which I don't go into. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> There's no chance. You're of welcome, that. everyone at work. <laughs> Um, so I go into the only ones where I can, I can spray a bunch of Febreze. Um, but no, and you know what, actually when we, when we got new bathrooms, when we got an addition put on our building and we have these new bathrooms where it's just like, it's just a single bathroom. Like there's no stalls. So I can like have all the pooping I want to have happen without anyone hearing me. Mm -hmm. That, that actually kind of helped me a lot. That's, that's, um, that's amazing. But there are, there have been days in the past. It's been a while now where I have gone to my boss and said, Hey, there is something here that is out of control and I'm going home because it's, it's not a nice thing to have happen outside the comfort of your home. And, and if I'm going like, to, I mean, like all like poop jokes aside, like I can make light of it if I want to, but it's actually like 
really, it can be a big problem. I, um, I find that it's hard for me to go places where I know there's not going to be a bathroom because yeah. as soon as I know there's not going to be a bathroom, I'm going to need a bathroom. Yeah. As soon as I go somewhere where there is one, I probably won't need to use it. It's, it's such a huge mental thing for me. Yeah. And, um, it's, uh, I, I've actually found, I've been talking about it a lot lately and I've been talking about it with my friends. I've been talking about it with mom and, That's and good. the more I talk about it, the better the symptoms have been. So another reason why talking about it's so good, I just, I feel like now that I'm hurt, it's not like, it's not like a secret that I'm keeping yeah. where uh, like now if I'm going to be going out for a fire with, you know, my partner and his family, um, in the woods somewhere, I'm like, you know, I'm feeling really afraid that I'm going to have to shit myself in the woods. <laughs> then yeah. I, I say that out loud and, and then I bring, I bring the toilet paper and I bring all these things and I'm good. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, you know, like I... I just, I, cause I, I'm just going to talk about it. I had an experience not long ago where a friend was visiting and we went on a big hike and I was having some hard stuff going on at that time. And I shot on top of the mountain and it was really uncomfortable for me. <laughs> and, and like probably the mountain. And luckily, <laughs> and luckily I'm pretty good about talking about yeah, it. Yeah. And I was with some people that I'm super close with. It could have been way worse, but that's, <laughs> all pun sites, a shitty thing to have happen to you. I love that pun, but it's but it is you know like yeah, I, I, yeah. I, it's you know not what? it's not an ideal no situation. I want to go camping. I want to do this camping trip with my partner for his family reunion, and the bathroom, the closest bathroom to us, is like a five minute walk away, and I had to get up five times in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom because because it wasn't accessible for me, and that and that stirred things up. Inside yeah, of me. Yeah. <laughs> inside my bowels. Yeah. And, and so that's... the bowels. That is how I deal with anxiety today. And it's, it, it hits me often, um, which just kind of shows me how anxious of a person I am because it, it happens a lot. So, so yeah, if you guys um, <laughs> feel the same way, if you guys have similar symptoms, I would love to be able to hear that from you guys if you guys could write in and let us know what kind of symptoms you guys get with anxiety that'd be amazing and if you have the same as me and you have some like tricks yeah yeah <laughs> what are your solutions i would love to hear it because like i mean like i said sometimes i can i can do little things like little mental games to make it easier um but it's it's really miserable super miserable can you guys imagine what that would be like on the mountain <laughs> on the mountain with your partners my my friend gave me the shirt off her back literally and now she can never get it back but whatever <laughs> <laughs> it's gross now but yeah i mean if you guys can like really just think about the stuff that you guys do to get over a an anxious time, things that you guys have been embarrassed about telling your peers, your family members, your loved ones. We want to hear about it, all yeah. about it. We want to know because the more people that write in and the more people that share their experiences, the more normal it'll be for everybody else. Well, and I, just, and I would like to say, like, I think it, isn't it kind of funny that, like, for me, it's easier for me sometimes to talk about my poop trouble then it would, would be maybe for me to talk about something else to do with my anxiety or depression. So like, cause I'll talk to my work people about it. Like I'll be like, Oh, you know, sorry. I'm just having a really, really bad poop day. Like I just, 
it's been really bad for me today. And they're like, oh, okay, no problem. Like they all know that about me. Um, but none of them know anything else about me. But like, would you be more, would you be more prone to call in and say, I'm having a bad stomach day? Well, because that sounds like you're like physically ill. I'm having a bad yes. stomach yeah. day. I have, and maybe that's why. I have diarrhea. Yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't come to work at all because I have diarrhea. Yeah. And, you know, instead of waking up one day and, be, and not being able to get out of bed because yeah. of mental reasons yeah. and being like, hey, listen, it's Christy or it's Jenny and I can't come to work because my mental state is all over the map. Yeah. I'm fucked. Yeah. And, and I'm hoping like, so, so coming from my line of work, working with workers' compensation stuff, um, I, I'm, I'm not just learning this, but I think it's just becoming more, um, out there for other people that, that having stress in your life and having mental health issues and things like that are just, just as bad as coming to work intoxicated. So it's just like being yeah. under the influence at work. Um, okay, and, so let's explore that. Yeah. So, okay, so if you came to work drunk, <laughs> um, you'd come to work and you would, you'd be talking nonsense. You'd be talking whatever. You'd be fun, Christy, maybe. You'd be whatever. Outgoing, whatever. Um, yeah. And I'd, so I'd be like, listen, Christy, you're drunk. You need to go home. And if the next person came in and they were depressed or having, yeah. or having a panic attack, you know, I would probably try to, honestly, I would probably try to tame their symptoms a bit and try to like get them on track a bit and then hopefully try to get them to a state where they can work. Yeah. But, but really, but why? But why? Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting. I think that. I, some industries like some and some workplaces are better than others obviously so um i'm gonna say like if you work for the government or you whatever i'm not saying that of that, the yukon yeah we're in the yukon yes i'm not saying that 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 means that your boss is going to be better at letting you take a mental health day yeah but what i'm saying is you have things like sick leave and whatever and you can take sick leave and yeah. stay home but i've talked to a lot of people in the industries uh, like construction, like like and private industry. Yeah, private industry, but but also just like the type of work they do. So I'm gonna say safety sensitive positions. So mm -hmm. you're working with firearms or heavy equipment, yeah, or or whatever. And of course, they have policies about coming to work under the influence. Right. They don't want you there. Right. But say somebody just had a really messy divorce or you know something like that, and they come to work and they're operating heavy machinery. Do you want that person driving? A forklift mm -hmm. when they're so mentally exhausted and they're preoccupied and they can't be present so I think what the problem we run into with that is how do we measure that yeah well and that's and that's about having that conversation and getting people comfortable with saying hey Joe Blow like what like, are what are you on the scale of one to ten yeah like and, and checking in with your workers and being like how are you feeling today dude like, and then being mm -hmm. able to say, I had a rough night. I didn't, I only slept an hour. And then them being able to say, I'm going to take you off that job today. I'm going to take you off that job working with that piece of equipment. And I'm either going to put you somewhere else or like, do you need time? Or Yeah, exactly. Because like, it's a safety issue if you're not there. safety issue. And it's not just a safety issue on the person that 
that is everyone around is you. not coherent. It's <laughs> if you're if you're you know like let's use the example of heavy machinery. Mm-hmm. Like that could be a few people's lives at stake, and if you're not game, you should not be there. Yeah, and it's great because like in this day we live in with the recent legalization of marijuana there's been so much more talk about intoxication at work and um uh we we are like and i say we but like the government is trying really hard to push that you can be not able to work because of like so psychosocial issues Mm -hmm. mental issues um and, but I, like, I've, I've been experienced before where people were saying, oh, oh, that guy, like, okay, so he's had a hard day. Like, why can't he work? And I'm like, oh man, like, but it, it, we go back to the, how personal it is. Like, yeah. So for, you know, like person next to me can handle whatever. Um, I might be yeah. able to handle half of what she could handle. Yep. It's a personal thing. It depends on the day. It depends on your past experience. A lot of things like trauma, like all this stuff. Like there's no, there's no like actual recipe on who can handle what and when and and how. Um, so we really can't be judging. No. And there's, and I, I hate like to say there's, there's some kind of responsibility on the person to know a little bit too about how much they can do. Right. Like, but, but you can only tell people how much you can do when you feel like you're in a safe place to say that. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, so, so for the person, so I know for my own self, like the way I am, I would probably lie to my employer a little bit and kind of embellish what I was capable of at that time. So I could get back to work and get back to in quotations, normalcy. Yeah. Um, and not put anyone out. And that yeah. is kind of probably, I would have to say that's in talking to my peers and stuff, that's probably what the main type of feeling would be for people my age, um, trying to get back to the workforce. And, um, you know, we might be working with people that are in their fifties or sixties that might have a different take on, you know, what good workmanship is or whatever. Um, things are changing a bit. It's, it's hard. Generation, generational stuff though is really real. <laughs> super real about what people's values are right it all comes down to values it's very different and like so people in my generation like they're and i think this is great but i'm in this generation so their values are very self like i want to feel good i want to have a good life i want to do things that i want to do for me so if i'm going to work a job that can't can't do that for me then i'm not going to work there anymore well how do you feel about being lumped into the millennial well, phenomenon because that's pretty negative yeah. as far as I'm concerned. It comes it comes out really negative. There's so many things yeah. they say are negative and and to be honest, every time someone says that I'm a millennial, it pisses me I off. get right on the defensive. But just recently I took a course where we were talking about, okay, let's actually just like stop calling people millennials and stop calling people by the generation and let's get to the nitty-gritty of what these generations actually what their values are. And that's exactly what I was talking about. So once I actually looked at that, I didn't feel quite so bad being a millennial because there's a lot of self care, uh, care in millennial age. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of different things that go into that. Like, so if your parents are baby boomers like ours, there's some stuff from the baby boomers that I'm going to get as a millennial. So I'm not going to be, so I have work ethic because of them. So because their generation is all about, 
you work hard. So I did get some of that from them. So I'm not like, it's not like every single person is the same because you grew up in those ages, right? So it's not like every single person is going to be like, well, F you. Like, I deserve this. I deserve this. I'm so selfish. Like, and, but, but people who are calling them selfish, it's because that's not, self-care was not their main priority. And why isn't it? Like, this is our life. We are living it one time. And I, I have noticed time and time again, how many times I put myself out there for other people and then they think about just themselves. So I'm like, well, how about I think about myself today? Like, how would I do that? Because I'm sick of being resentful of the people that do. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I'm getting way better at not, not texting my boss and saying, Hey, you know, I only got an hour of sleep. So I'm just going to sleep a little bit and saying, Hey, I'm having a really hard time this morning. Like I'm, I'm getting better at doing that because I think he needs to know I don't think I need to make an, like, and I, and I think it's okay for me to be like, I am allowed to sleep. Like, yeah, I'm a good worker. I get my shit done, but I also sometimes don't, I can't work five days a week. Sometimes, sometimes I can't do that. And that, and that should be okay. And I don't think that that's because I'm a selfish millennial. (laughs) Like, I think it's just that we're talking more about mental health these days. And that comes from us, you know, like that's coming from this generation yeah, I think well, sometimes people have a hard time with what they don't understand or what they haven't felt like has been available to them up yeah. until now, right? So that could be a big thing. Um, I mean, there's definitely cultural differences with... Yes, with, it, it, it gets really with complex. Ev- with every era, yeah. yeah, and that could be 20 different shows, but, um, but in this, like... Yeah, like when we when we start talking about um, what kind of things we do for ourselves to get us through the work week. Yeah. Emailing your boss and saying that, you know, I'm not having a good week. I'm not having a good day. I'm not having a good morning. It's 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 fair game. And now these days, I have an expectation on my boss to ask me how I'm doing when I get back. <laughs> and well, and I think that that needs to happen. So, like, even if I have to, like, train them to do that, but as a boss, if someone tells you that they're having a hard time and they don't come to work, when they come to work, you need to check in. Like, do you feel like you're valued and cared for at work, though? Like, so would that happen if you... For for me, again, I really feel lucky when I'm talking about all these things that I've been going through. Like when we first talked about mom in the first episode and now here. Yeah, Yeah, I do. Like I I can have those conversations with my boss and and, and that's not saying that sometimes it's not super weird. And sometimes I can feel that weirdness and I am wondering how much I should say. Um, So is that weirdness coming from from your boss? I think it might be partially coming from me and that whole feeling. Putting feelings on someone. For sure, yes. and I, but, but, but I try to have that conversation because I shouldn't have anything to be ashamed of. Yeah. So yeah, like let's put it in perspective again. Like, so if you went to your doctor, you had a like routine checkup and they said, Hey, listen, you have, let's say cervical cancer like something or even like high blood pressure like something like, so, like, like <laughs> diabetes or like yeah. something like, and i'm not trying to put anything out there that would 
like take so, away from what it is. I'm just trying to compare it to you're any trying to kind put this on that level disease yeah. because it is. It's a mental disease, yeah. but it's one of those things that's impossible to measure. Not even with an MRI, you can't measure like the de- the degree of um, the de- the degree of um, what what's being measured. Like yeah. you can't say I'm like a hundred percent depressed. Like you, there's no way to no, measure it. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just it's one of those things. How do you how do you think someone's using it as a crutch or not? How do you distinguish? what's going on when it's in someone's head and you can't see it and there's no physical really I mean sometimes there is but sometimes there's not yeah I don't know 